This is Doug Hastings, Vice President of Moody Radio, and we're thankful for support from our listeners and businesses like United Faith Mortgage. Mortgage commercials are rarely exciting. So to make it slightly more interesting, here are my nieces to do it for me. So interest rates continue to drop like my sister's baby teeth. Come on, Uncle Ryan had to say the same thing last year. That's true. Last year, it was rates are boring talk historically low. And now this year, there's somehow even more boring talk historically lower than the previous boring talk historically low. Sounds boring. But for so many listeners who just haven't wanted to deal with it, refinancing right now could save you massive amounts of Lego sets. Rates have gotten that low. Some borrowers could potentially save hundreds monthly and tens and tens of thousands over the life of a loan. And if you didn't put 20% down before, some could even stop having to pay PMI. Give Uncle Ryan a shot. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed Mortgage Banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Too many Christians use the Bible as a point of reference rather than the context of their lives. If it was the context of our lives, then we would understand where, you know, how we should react to one another and stop absorbing all the venom and the vile stuff that's in the culture and having that edit our Christianity and our posture toward one another. This is Living a Legacy with speaker and author Crawford Lorenz. Well, there's no question our country is experiencing serious division. Clashes over political and philosophical ideologies are at levels most of us have never seen in our lifetimes. Civility is becoming a word with no meaningful application. How did we get here? But more importantly, how should Christ followers behave in the midst of it? Some questions we'll examine in the next 24 minutes. Crawford is in his final two messages in the series Focused and Free. We're studying the Apostle Paul's letter to Titus, in which Paul warns of the dangers of false teaching about God's grace and the truth of the gospel. In today's message, Crawford reverses the series title to speak about being free and focused. He'll warn of the dangers of becoming mean and angry when reacting to those with opposing viewpoints on critical issues. Our text is Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. How we respond as followers of Jesus Christ. How we respond as followers of Jesus Christ will determine the testimony of God among his people. I've been very concerned about this. In fact, it's this divided spirit has been boiling underneath the surface for the last 25 years or so. Uh, We're divided in terms of how to handle the pandemic and the fear has driven us to, to all kind of polarizations and thoughts and opinions that have gotten codified and, and what have you. We're divided in this country as to how to handle the racial tension and unrest and we're picking sides with one another and what is particularly burdensome and it has broken my heart and I just have to be honest with you is to see the amount of divisiveness among the people of God over these same issues. Now we can disagree with one another but what I'm talking about is this a divided spirit. Then obviously this whole 
environment, the drawing of lines in the sand with one another and the, the calling of names with one another and the, and the, the lobbing of things. And, and my goodness, you would, you would actually think that Christianity is going to be cratered based upon who is elected to be president. So all of this stuff is bubbled up on the surface. I have never seen a time in my 70 years and I lived through the civil rights movement, the assassination of uh, John F. Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. and all the rights. I've never seen a time in my entire life in which there's been more, more divided thinking. And it's a bad place to be. I'm concerned about the legacy of the people of God. And just where are we? Now, don't hear me. I'm not asking you to agree with people on one side or the other, whether it's the racial tensions or how to handle the pandemic, mask, no mask, or open up, close down. I, I'm not, that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I'm talking about a heart divisiveness that has settled in on our country. Now, how should Christians respond? How should we respond to all of this stuff that's going on? How should we think? One of the tragedies of all of this and the way that we have drawn lines in the sands with one another, it has revealed something that we didn't intend to be revealed. It has revealed a superficial understanding of the primacy of God's word in all things. I don't think that most of us as believers think as biblically as we say we do. I think, as I've said many times before, I think too many Christians use the Bible as a point of reference rather than the context of their lives. If, we, if it was the context of our lives, then we would understand where, you know, how we should respond and how we should react to one another and stop absorbing all the venom and the vile stuff that's in the culture and having that edit our Christianity and our posture toward one another. Now, this is amazing to me because we come to our text of Scripture. This is exactly what Paul had in mind as he writes these believers there at Crete. It's amazing. Now, here in Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, um, God gives us the rails. Now, I have to tell you, now the Bible doesn't tell you how to vote. Sorry. The Bible doesn't tell you how to think about in minute detail, uh, your view on racial issues and all these other, and no, it doesn't hold your hand and spell all those out. But what the Bible does do, it gives us the rails. It gives us context. It, it, it frames us in, in terms of how our thinking should be. Now you can make your decisions within this context, but you, you're not allowed to go off the rails. You're not allowed to create your own boundaries. And so Paul gives us these rails here in Titus chapter 3, chapter 3. Now, I, I, I need to say this just to summarize the text here. In verses 1 through 7, Paul tells us that no matter what's going on around you, remember who you represent. And then secondly, he says in verses uh, uh, 8 through 11, Stay focused on what matters most. Whatever happens, whatever else happens, we need to be reminded of who we represent. And then number two, stay focused on what matters most. Don't lose sight of that. We can't elevate issues to a, state, uh, to a status of sovereignty. 
We can't elevate our opinions and positions to a place that only God should maintain. And so Paul says, look, you got to remember who you represent. And secondly, give yourself to what matters most. First, he says we need to remember who we represent. And I would say verses 1 and 2 tell us that we need to be gracious to others. Gracious to others. Graciousness is not conditional. Graciousness is not conditional. Listen to these words. Verse 1 of chapter 3. Remind them, meaning the Cretans in the church there at Crete, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Now you have to understand the context here. Paul Paul is not talking about a Christian government that's over the people there, Crete. He's talking about a godless government. Rulers who could care less about Bible and morality or any of that. But notice the language that he uses. He says to the believers, hey, 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 don't, don't lob relational grenades into the marketplace. Hey, if you, wait, 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 be, be, be careful about your demeanor. He didn't tell them to agree with them. But he was telling them, in so many words, you can't you remember who you represent. In other words, it's never okay to be nasty. It's never okay to be unkind. It's never okay to be uncharitable. He says to them, you, you, you got to remember who you represent. Show perfect courtesy to all people. Isn't that interesting? Show perfect courtesy to all people. The all is not conditioned. Even to those who are coming after you. Even to those that you disagree with. Even to those who are doing things that you think are damnable and wrong. And I use that term in the right sense. Show perfect courtesy to them. Titus was to remind the Christians there in Crete to be good citizens. And there needed a reason for that if you study the Christians. They were an independent, rebellious sort. You say, no, there's a stark contrast. Hey, you're followers of Jesus. You have been changed. You know, don't, don't act like the very people that you disagree with. There's got to be a moral alternative that you hold up in front of them. They were the model charity and civility. I like that old English word, charity. They were to model charity and civility. You know, no, don't, don't, be, don't be cantankerous. Don't be polarizing in your demeanor. No, you don't have to endorse behavior. But civility and charity means a bent toward loving and listening and understanding. A bent toward loving and listening and understanding. Not an attitude that if you disagree with me, I'm going to punch your lights out. If you disagree with me, I'm going to talk about your mother and I'm going to call you names. No, as followers of Jesus, he says, oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you, you are to act with perfect courtesy. That's civility. 
Kindness doesn't mean agreement. Kindness doesn't mean endorsing. In fact, kindness means strength. It takes strength to be civil. It takes restraint to be magnanimous. You're not endorsing anything other than the Jesus that has transformed you. (laughs) He says, secondly, to God, remember that God has been gracious to us. God has been gracious to us. And this way he backs it up. You act this way toward outsiders. You act this way toward people you disagree with. You act this way toward folks who are doing awful things. You act this way. Why do you act this way? Ah, because you were one of them. He says, remember that God's been gracious to us. Look at verses 3 through 7. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedience, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Oh, yeah, that's where we were. That's where we were. We did that too. Be careful of your self-righteousness, he says. Yeah, you know, keep in mind, you were one of them. You acted like that too. You didn't have any power to change your own life. If we have experienced God's grace and are growing and understanding, have a growing understanding of his grace, then we can't help but be gracious to people. That's what the apostle Paul is saying. Don't ever allow any issue, don't ever allow any issue, any issue in the culture to determine your Christian demeanor. One of the problems, and, I, and I'm threatening to shut down, I've got a lot of followers on Twitter and on Facebook, but I got to tell you, one of the problems with social media and the news is that it seduces us into gracelessness. It makes us reactionary. And media has been weaponized. And before you know it, you read something online, you read what somebody has said, you start pushing buttons and reposting this, and your position is, and all the grace has been drained out of us. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here to the, to the believers there at the church of Crete, hey, 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 come on, man. Don't, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget you couldn't save yourself. Don't forget that you were screwed up too. Don't forget apart from my grace, you'd do the same thing. Hmm. We should never forget the sinful condition from which we have been salvaged. From which we have been salvaged. So I was reading a text, this text, studying the passage. I read, a, read something and somebody's commented on the text and they I think they quoted someone else, and I I don't have the attribution here, but listen to this line. He says, while a veneer of civilization often obscures the bleak truth, the slightest crack in the surface of society reveals the reality behind the facade. Here's the line. The painful truth is that apart from God, people degenerate into little more than animals wrangling over bones. And that's true. And that's a hard statement. But apart from the grace of God, we're nothing like a bunch of dogs fighting over a bone. (laughs) 
What does that say about us? Our baser nature. But what Paul is pleading with, he said, I'm not telling you how to think, Christians. I'm not telling you what to do and what your opinion should be. You're free to have those opinions and views and all that kind of stuff. But what I am saying to you is that you cannot compartmentalize grace. You can't compartmentalize your conversion. You can't compartmentalize your Christianity. You can't tie it up, push it back over here in the closet, and go off on people. That ain't right. Grace has to affect everything that you do, including your demeanor toward those that you disagree with. Why? Because you were once one of them. You were one of them. Verses 4 and 5, listen to these words. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. <laughs> he, he delivered us. He saved us. He pulled us out of this stuff. Not because of works <laughs> done by us in righteousness. We didn't have any. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. I want to point out something that you might miss when you read these verses. Paul is masterful here because he gives three words that's a composite picture of grace. The three words are these. Love in verse 4, he calls it loving kindness, modifying the kindness. But love, kindness, and mercy. Love, kindness, and mercy. Those are the three aspects of the grace of God. That ought to, that ought to do something about my thinking and my demeanor. I should be a loving person, a kind person, a merciful person appropriately. And by the way, mercy does not mean endorsement, neither does grace mean endorsement. You can have strong opinions and strong views, and you're looking at a dude that has plenty of them. But he's, he's, calling the, he's calling the creatures up and saying, look, 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 look. Look what the grace of God has done in your life. God's been merciful to you, Crawford. God's been loving to you, Crawford. God has been kind to you, Crawford. Don't live inconsistent with what you received. In context, that's what he's saying here. That's exactly what he's saying here. Remember, God's grace saves those who believe, not because of any righteousness in us. He delivers us. And then he goes on to describe the power behind all of this. He introduces the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 says, says, By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. I think in context what he's saying here is that we, we have the Spirit of God, the indwelling Spirit of God, the indwelling power and presence of the Holy Spirit is inside of us who empowers us to live grace-filled life and grace-modeled life lives. We can do this, not in our own strength, but according to the power that's in, inside of us. What has he done? He has washed us of the filth of sin that all of us had when we came to Christ. He has cleaned us up. He has made us alive. And I think in context, what he's saying is you are living witnesses of this. Don't let anything you say, think, or do deny the reality 
that you now are the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, who allows you to live out grace and love, charity, understanding, and mercy. I know some people think I'm crazy for saying this stuff, but I'm absolutely insane. But this is part of the polarization that has even infiltrated Christian circles. We think somehow or another to be faithful to God, you've got to stand up and blow people away. You've got to denounce folks. You've got to be cruel to them. You've got to be dismissive. No, you can believe what you believe and believe it very strongly. And anybody who knows me knows that I've got some strong convictions about things. But that doesn't mean that I ever have a reason or you ever have a reason to be unloving and kind. Why? Because of the kindness of God. It's not a one-off thing. If I can't demonstrate the kindness of God, then maybe I didn't experience it to begin with. So, what are the rails here? Well, the first one is, is that you got to remember who we represent. The second one is, is that we got to stay focused on what matters most. Stay focused on what matters most. What matters most? What is God doing? You see, believers, and I need to say this, and I want you to understand me on this, and I, I say this with the fear of being misquoted. Y'all wake up right now because this always happens to me. Somebody will hear part of what I say outside of a context, and you're going to send me an email tomorrow morning and tell me how wrong I was, okay? But I want you to hear me. Hear me on this. Hear me on this. Hear me on this. Christians are not defined by a political party. We're not defined. Now, you can have a party. You have a place that you're leaning. That nothing wrong. I don't tell anybody how to vote. You vote your conscience. Vote, vote whatever you believe. But believers, believers, hear me, we are always people of the third option. We are people of the third option. What does that mean? Well, I don't allow the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or Libertarians or whatever your party de jure that you might lean toward, I do not allow them to to define my Christianity. I do not allow them to give definition to my Christianity. The Bible is the third option. And so whoever is more closely aligned to what this book says, then that's what I'm going to do. And you will find with this third option throughout history, throughout history, <laughs> throughout history, you'll define there will be seasons in which as a follower of Jesus with certain issues, you're going to be too conservative for some liberals. Now, flip side, you're also going to find it hard to believe, but you're also going to uh, find throughout history, throughout history, that there is a biblical position that might make you too liberal for some conservatives. And so it's always people of the third option. And so the point is this, when we step into the arena of these issues and we step into the arena of life, life, we got to always remember who we represent and never allow anyone to own us and to own our minds and to own our moral perspective. 
Jesus and this owns our moral perspective. It owns our thinking. It owns our responses. It owns our attitudes. Not some little, little, little throwaway line on your favorite newscaster or some little tweet that you read or some blog over here that gives a certain insight. This book, 66 books of this Bible, 66 books of this Bible tells me how I think, tells me how I feel. And I cast my vote to hold the culture accountable to this. And the culture does not hold my Christianity accountable to their whims and ways. We have to remember who we represent, and we need to stay focused on what matters most. Two of the main points in today's message, free and focused. And we'll get to the rest of it next week here on Living a Legacy. That was speaker and author Crawford Loretz, leading us through a study in the New Testament book of Titus. If this is the first message you've heard in Crawford's series, Focused and Free, check out the other ones on our website. You can stream them there at livingalegacy.org and look for the link Past Programs, livingalegacy.org. And if you'd like to have the entire series to check out later, download it for free. Look for the MP3 link on the webpage. We're grateful for your emails. They help us know how God is using the program to change lives. Just a few short lines will be very meaningful. Write to us this week at livingalegacy.org. Look for the Contact Us button. That's livingalegacy.org. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for being with us today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.